Hello everyone, welcome to three of our favourite things podcast, hosted by myself, Ryan Underwood, and co-hosted by Nick Scott. On this podcast, we review three of our favourite things in whatever category of pop culture we want and discuss them on pod. We hope you enjoy the episode, and you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at 3FavePod with the number 3, and you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at punks underscore a underscore myth, and Nick on Twitter at Nick underscore Scott 56. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy. Recording. Hey guys, and welcome back to three of our favourite things pod. Today, we are going to be talking about WandaVision. So, this show's been highly anticipated for a while. Uh, Black Widow's obviously been um, delayed in cinemas. So, this is the only piece of Marvel we've had since Endgame and it's been a it's it's been about a year since we've had anything marvel related and that's really unusual for marvel so we've watched all of them by now especially by the release of this episode everybody watching or listening should have seen the show and if you haven't don't listen to this fucking episode go and watch the show and come back because this will contain spoilers for one division and we don't want to do that to you because we like this show <laughs> and we want everybody to be as surprised and shocked and whatever as we were because um, it's really fucking good. And that's why we're talking about it. Um, so this is going to be a very loose version of this podcast. Today, we are going to um, start with Nick, who's doing episode two, four and five. But we're mainly going to be using the, sh- the episodes we choose to link to the whole show um so we're kind of getting rid of the format for this episode because it's easier to talk about the whole show but we're sort of keeping it for the sake of it um but yeah so it should be a good show so uh nick your first episode of one division yeah so my first of my three favorite episodes of one division is actually episode two i think like as i was rewatching it for the podcast what i really liked about episode two was it was the best use of the concept i felt i thought it was the episode that had the most fun with the concept i think sort of mostly because you didn't quite have the stuff with um sword yet at the moment it was mostly just sort of like uh this strange old us sitcom sort of world mm-hmm. But there was still, you know, strange things going on, but it was mostly just sort of fun. It's definitely the episode that made me laugh the most. Um, but that doesn't mean it was, like, completely devoid of, like, mystery or threat or anything. It did still sort of have these interesting moments. And I think, like, it was it was at this point, when watching, re-watching it back, he's like, I don't really care that Wanda sort of manipulated all these people and brainwashed them because, to be fair, it looks really cute living there. I yeah. don't mind being brainwashed living there. Also, it has like my favourite joke in it. That, um, that bit where Vision is trying to get into the um, neighbourhood security sort of thing and he's at the meeting and they're sort of like dishing dirt on on gossip and stuff like that and he just goes oh fuck norm's a communist (laughs) yeah and everybody i I was sat there going fuck that could be true because vision can read minds and obviously we didn't know what was going on at the time yeah so i was just like 
fuck, Norm's a communist. And then they all just burst out laughing. And I was like, oh, thank fuck. I thought that was going to go somewhere really dark. And we were going to be in, like, communist fucking America. Maybe they're going to do a Hydra thing. <laughs> that would be weird. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it's a, Number two is a good episode. And obviously, like you said, the sword stuff doesn't really come into place yet. But it is um, sticking to the gimmick of a TV show still, unlike some of the later episodes. So we get yeah. stuff like um, the talent show, which is one of my favorite things. And I don't know about you, but the first thing that I thought when I saw Vision in like that suit was if they ever make a David Bowie film, this man needs to play David Bowie because yeah. he looks so similar in a suit. He looked yeah, like he the does. slim white Duke and it was weird. <laughs> but yeah. 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 Another another thing I liked about this episode was um, it it wasn't something that I've had issue with WandaVision is it was like one episode would be lots of narrative and making lots of like mystery and then like the next episode should be like massive exposition dump. Yeah. And I think like that kind of disrupted the pacing a little bit. But mm-hmm. um, this episode felt like had a really good pacing and it reminded me a lot of um, Ashes to Ashes. I don't know if you ever watched that TV show or Life on Mars. I am a huge Life on Mars access to watches fan. Yeah, Life and, on Mars uh, is on my watch later. I haven't yeah. seen it yet. You will you will pick up the similarities, particularly just from this episode mostly. Like the, the talking over the radio and like the people talking to Wanda weirdly and stuff like that. I think, you know, it was good. But also I love um, Monica Rambo's character and that's kind of where we get introduced. Sort of, and we sort of get the little um, shield, uh, not shield. We sort of get the the um, the sword stuff coming in at about that time, which is pretty cool. Like, obviously, there's like little hints to it with the beehive costume, which I think is at the end of this episode, or is that episode? Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah, it's episode two. And then we also have the necklace that Monica's wearing, which is cool. But yeah, this episode's, um, it was one of my favorites watching it because it was probably the one that stuck to the format we thought the show was going to be the most. Mm. And it did the early 60s sitcom thing very well, especially when we were sort of stuck to one camera angle for the majority of episode one. And then in this episode, Mm. you get a couple of shots of them moving and walking and stuff, which was obviously introduced in the 60s after... The bit, like when the soaps were coming in which is cool so yeah th- this episode um is really good because it, it does sort of pave the way to the now in color episode obviously because the ending and it sort of gives us a glimpse that we that we knew was there at the start with Wanda sort of being able to control it because of the rewind that happens at the end as well and the rewind that happens when um i can never remember her name the blonde woman who's really got like amazing fucking roses that grow a pain of death or something oh the blonde woman who runs the community for the children yeah and like it it cuts there doesn't it and then it goes yeah how do you get blood out of a white linen yeah by doing it yourself (laughs) exactly yeah this episode was really really good and um it was also the episode where Wanda gets pregnant at the end which kind of sets up a massive plot point uh, for the rest mm-hmm. of the show. So should we move on to episode three? Because this is where it starts to get really interesting. Well, my, I was actually not going to talk about episode three. I was going to talk about 
Oh yeah, you were. Why are you on four and five? Yeah. So yeah, should I we? Thought, I didn't really like three because it was just sort of like, okay, Wanda's pregnant, and it's a weird pregnancy. Yeah. Um, but there was nothing much else that we haven't seen in later episodes. Yeah. So... I sort of like the gimmicks though of this of the stereotypical seventies show because it did have a that seventies show vibe, and it did like even the effects that we used um, over the CGI did look quite 70s practical effects, like all the paintings spinning on the walls and stuff, which was pretty cool. But obviously that is also uh, sort of the case in episode four. So should we talk about episode four, Nick? Yeah, so what I really liked about episode four, so episode four is the episode where um, it's purely from the perspective of like Jimmy Woo and Monica Rambeau and Darcy and that. Yeah. Um, this is definitely like an exposition dump episode um and i think that is there's definitely a criticism that you can level at it it was proper like holding the hands of audience members of like this is what's going on in westview this yeah. is what wonder is doing and it's not real but maybe it is real but what I, what i did like about it is it provided context for mm. other parts of the universe and it's introduced more characters like Monica Rambeau, who is fucking love that character. I don't know why, just absolute badass. Yeah. And also, um, I like how it obviously brought in those characters, but also contextualized because this is apart from um, not not is it Far From Home? Um, the second Spider-Man. The only other film to reference the click. Yeah. Yeah, it, it talks about the snap, but you know, like actually, what happened when everyone came back, and it actually just would be straight up chaos uh, if, after three or four years, half the population just suddenly came back. Yeah, exactly. I I do like that link, and we also, um, oh, is it this episode that we're introduced to Hayward as well, who is yeah. the villain, and he is an excellent villain as we will see throughout the rest of the show. Um, but yeah, it introduces characters like Jimmy Woo, who in the comics was a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent, not an FBI agent, but that's mm -hmm. getting set up, which is really cool. I think he will be a really cool character that they could sort of get to a, uh, not Nick Fury level, but maybe Black Widow level later on. Um, Cause he is like, he's meant to be one of the best secret agents in the MCU. Um, I see him. I see him more as more as a Coulson, an Agent Coulson replacement, or Maria Hill. Um, yeah, or or Maria Hill. But I think like he's in many ways a bit of a bit of comic relief, a bit of like a conscious, less unconscious for the audience as well. Yeah, which is cool. Yeah. Um, but I I just I, don't, I just I mean I think like obviously a lot of the fans just instantly fell in love with Jimmy Woo, and. Mm. I like this episode because you get the best woo content. <laughs> you know, yeah, I just love him. Like, is it the, the is this the episode where he says, "Oh, is it you and your sassy? Like, where's your sassy friend?" And then Woo just comes out. He's like, actually, there's no need for that. Thank you very much. <laughs> I think it might and it's be. like, yeah. I fucking I love that so much. I think he is a really underrated character of the show. I hope they do mm -hmm. more with him um, because he's just really funny. He could be a comedic relief for a lot of other MCU things that might happen. It'd be cool to see that character go into the wider MCU, which I hope they're going to do. I hope that Monica Rambeau takes 
Jimmy and I can never remember the girl's name. Darcy. Even Darcy. See, she's been in loads of Thor films, but I don't like Thor, so I still don't give a shit about her character. But I do now because of this show. But name just. I think. I think. Like, think back to those old Thor films. Like the Darcy character was definitely an element that I really enjoyed. Like Darcy yeah. and Loki, they were characters that I really enjoyed from those films. Um, and I'm actually really glad that they're bringing more of her and more content with her in to yeah. the story which is really cool yeah I mean this episode obviously like you said is a major exp- um, exposition dump of an episode I do think it was kind of needed because I don't see another way of Marvel being able to um, navigate this type of content without having a massive exposition dump um, because it wouldn't if you started the modern like the main like real life bits from outside of the bubble if you started that episode one it would have taken all the coolness away from the gimmick of the marketing and people Mm -hmm. obviously want to stick along so putting that in like uh, four episodes down the line is a really really good idea keeps the audience really interested especially with the cliffhanger at the end of episode three and then it's cool to see how actual like the marvel that we know is is dealing with this weird phenomenon um yeah but yeah there's so many good jokes in this like i i love it when she pulls up to westview for the first time and they're just like never heard of it it doesn't exist and they're right in front of it and then also the line that she says to hayward where he's like you've been missing for five years you've got to be grounded because that was your mum's law that if an officer ever came back from disappearing they can't go back up for a while and then he was like, I need you to take a drone somewhere. And she was like, drones take me places. I don't take drones places. Oh, that, that is a really fucking cool, cool thing to say. But is this the episode where we find out? Oh, man, I, need, I can't find a wiki for this episode. I was trying to find it just to give myself a little recap of it. Um, but I don't think it's on a wiki or anything at the moment. IMDb. That might work. Because I can't remember if this episode is the episode where we find out that Wanda stole Vision's body. Um, yeah, it is. It yeah. is. This, yeah. is. this is the episode with um, another great Jimmy Woo. Well, it's not quite a Jimmy Woo line, but um, Haywood is just sort of like been a bit, been a bit of a dick to him in a meeting. And he goes to Monica and Darcy and like, I don't normally speak ill of people, but Haywood is an absolute and then it cuts to Haywood going terrorist. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wanda yeah. is a terrorist. <laughs> I love that. I lo- it it did make me laugh the show. This I think this is one of the only Marvel shows where you can watch it. Um well one of the only Marvel properties where you can watch it and it's got really serious undertones. Like Endgame and Infinity War and all the big events have not re- have had comedy layered over the top, but this is like a comedy show mixed with the Marvel seriousness at the start, and then it starts to fade back into what we know as Marvel of being serious with comedy bits in it. But yeah, that's something. Yeah, that's Go- something I really sort of liked, just generally about the concept, but also about like certain specific episodes and the next episode I'm going to talk about particularly as well is how it layers in um, 
sinisterness with the comedy is something that I thought was just really satisfying to watch throughout the whole of the show. Yeah. And I think it was, I think, like, I have to say that, but I think sometimes a lot of American television um, really just plays it safe and rehashes concepts that it knows will work. Um, but I kind of feel this was something that was a little bit more out there. I don't yeah. think it's like fully, it's not like Black Mirror or Life on Mars or Ashes of Ashes, mm. where, or like the, particularly like the earlier episodes of Black Mirror, where things were not very holding your hand and can be a bit, I don't want to say confusing, but a bit more complex. I yeah. think like. Charlie Brooker's this, writing style, to be fair, it's yeah, very British. This series and this story definitely towed that line a bit more. But I think it's possibly one of the criticisms that I had that it didn't have much faith in its audience in the right places. I don't think it like had the faith in the audience that they would pick up that um, Wanda is manipulating all these people or um, that Haywood is trying to get hold of Vision. I thought like that was something that was quite obvious and then it was just sort of like in the last few episodes it just gets proper like hammed home like yeah. They would want to steal vision. I'm just I mean, like, we get it, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it it did make it it was very 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 handholdy. But the one thing I did like was as well as it not giving its audience enough credit um to understand subliminal things that were being put into the show. Obviously, everybody knew before it came out really that this was Wanda doing something to manipulate mm-hmm. something. We didn't know what it was quite what it was going to be but theories were flying around that were pretty much bang on and throughout the whole of the show most of the theories that i read or saw like on film theory or on blogs or on facebook or anything were pretty much like bang on and i I did say when i was watching it to my girlfriend i was like this show um clearly thought the audience was going to be on to agatha because why would you put that fucking song into the show if you weren't like, going to be like, the audience are going to find this quite funny because we sort of knew it was all along. Because there were so many Agatha Harknesses, um, like f- like things going around on the internet being like, Agnes is Agatha, which made total yeah. sense. But um, it, it did kind of annoy me that they didn't, that they just kind of explained everything. Because part of the fun of the show, of shows, especially shows like Black Mirror, which this is kin to, um, is that the audience kind of has to figure it out themselves. I think they took a concept that was really Twilight zone really Black Mirror-y, but with a Marvel spin, and really hammered home the Marvel hold-your-hand thing, which we didn't need, mm-hmm. but it's something that this franchise and universe has been doing since it began. It has been very hand-holdy, um, apart from things that they want to keep for major events. Um, but yeah, I don't know. This This episode... Like you said, massive expedition, ex- exposition dump, but it was still really nice to be introduced um, back to Darcy and Wu, Monica. But I did, um, I think one of my favorite jokes just before we move on to episode five was the um, Darcy's first like couple lines, which was, so what do you do? And he's like, we're not meant to talk about our jobs. And she's like, okay, fuck off. What, what do you do? And then got everybody in the car to say what they did. And she went, oh, cool. So with a clown car. Like, what do you mean? Like, they clearly don't know what they're dealing with because we've got a chemical engineer, an astrophysicist. We've got like, and then I'm like, she's whatever she was, and she was like, and we've got a ghost person over here and a mathematician. Yeah, I thought that was pretty funny. And then later on, she's used in a carnival, and like 
there's clown cars and shit and i was like this is class but yeah yeah, yeah so should we move on to your next episode nick episode five yeah so episode five i think is is my favorite and it's weird that they've come out in order but it actually is of my top three episodes that is how it goes um really <laughs> i think this one yeah i think this one has the perfect pacing individually within the episode mm-hmm. um a really nice not hand-holding progression of the plot you know this is this is where we find out um the um wanda is brainwashing and manipulating these people but we also find out the vision isn't just um some kind of puppet that wanda scott vision does have his own agency which was something that i actually thought was a concept and the element of the show that i really enjoyed um the fact that uh we see vision actually start to fight against the fantasy to find out more um and i think it's best explained at the at the end when they're having the argument um Mm. and the credits are rolling while they're still having the argument that was so intense that that was like that was like you know amazing piece of television just in general like not even just marvel story i thought that was just such a a good use of the concept to further the plot again very very black mirror-y though very very black mirror-y and i loved it and it was so tense especially when he goes why he's like why are you lying to me he just flies up in the air and activates his fucking Mm. like powers and you could just see it was like it was like in an in like coronation streets this would just be like a two couples kicking off and it go dun 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 dun. but then with us with one division it's so intense while people are laughing and the credits are rolling and it's just uh it was it was really interesting to see something like that happen never seen it in anything before also i loved i actually loved um agnes or agatha in this um in this episode i thought their role was good i thought she was a bit of an annoying character when i first started watching it um, yeah there's someone who, who i the only marvel i know is from the mcu mm. um so i didn't know that there was an agnes um uh, or agnes nutter yeah i didn't know that, that was a character um it's agatha so, harkness is the agatha harkness yeah. agnes nutter is that's good omens <laughs> <laughs> i've never seen that what? You need to watch that. I know, I know it's got David Tennant in it, and I really, really need to watch it. Yeah. But um, Agatha Harkness, um, I didn't know that they were a character, so I didn't pick up on that. But um, re-watching it now, knowing that it was Agatha all along, mm-hmm. um, it's the little sort of bits that you see are actually just really satisfying to watch, particularly at the end when she's got the dog, and she's like, can you just bring it back to life? You know, and yeah. um, when Pietro comes in as well, that was a, and then you obviously know that that is someone being manipulated by Agatha. Yeah, I think yeah, it's it's actually it's got a great foreshadowing, but even then, it's really enjoyable on a second watch once you know what's going on on that little on that little Agatha storyline. So yeah. Well, this episode, as you said, with the introduction of Pietro, obviously we didn't really know that he was. Um, a puppet at the time all we knew was that 
Pietro had suddenly appeared and it was the one for the X-Men. So everybody was just trying to, like, hoping that this would be a House of M storyline or, um, which in the comics was when um, the mutants, um, basically times changed because of Wonder again. And mm-hmm. she basically mutters something in a fit of anger. And it basically makes all mutants become almost neo-Nazis and it's called the House of M and they think they're a superior race which is it's a really really good storyline but then she's also got the storyline of eradicating all mutants where she just says no mutants after she finds out her children have been taken away and all mutants cease to exist um i loved that um obviously because marvel before now didn't have the rights to the name scarlet witch they've managed to fit that in with the whole prophecy thing um which is really cool but the pietro thing i was so hoping that we were going to get a little connection to the X-Men. And they teased us with it so bad. And I'm so angry because it could have led to, like, amazing... Like, it could have led to a really good, like, maybe mini-series of, like, Spider-Man and Deadpool, which are a really good comic book series because they hate... It. Well, Spider-Man hates Deadpool, but Deadpool just stalks him. And we could have had so many cool, like, crossovers with characters that happen in the comic books. And Kevin Feige now also being the creative director of all of Marvel, not just cinematic stuff. He's been trying out stuff in the comics, so people have been keeping their eyes out, and there's been a lot more mutant and um, like normal character crossovers. But just before we move on to the rest of your thoughts on the episode, I wanted to say one thing, and it's a really funny anecdote about one of the storylines. Uh, Scarlet Witch sent all the Sentinels from... The X-Men, do you know the ones that hunt down any mutants um, that Peter Dinklage makes in one of the X-Men movies? Oh, um, yeah, yeah. In the comic books, every time they're sent out to attack mutants, Spider-Man gets attacked because he's got mutant blood in him because of the spider, but he's not a mutant himself. So every, he's always like, he always starts getting attacked by Sentinels out of nowhere. And Wolverine's always fighting them. He's like, can you tell them that I'm not a mutant and to leave me alone? I have no, he's like, I'm, I don't understand. And he's like, you've got mutant blood. And he's like, yeah, but I'm not. <laughs> he just constantly gets in fights with Sentinels. Right, so yeah, um, the rest of episode five, so obviously it's based in the 80s. And this is um, the second episode in colour. Um, I think you must have noticed this being a film nerd as well. The camera changes to like a more updated camera. It's less yes. grainy. The colors pop so much more. It's almost like, like Kodak film. It's really, really yeah. cool. It's a different aspect ratio as well, I think. Mm-hmm. That's something I also um, really enjoyed um, was the the use of aspect ratio. I think yeah. it's, something, it's something you're starting to see actually like more and more that you see it in Mandalorian. Um, obviously, the Snyder Cut of... The, um, just leave. I've not seen it. I kind of want to watch it. Like I don't. It's also, four hours long, man. Four... Yeah, I don't want to waste four hours of my life. On I stopped really watching Justice bad. League after one, like after less than an hour. Right, you could not pay me to sit and watch four hours of that film. I would <laughs> rather. Right, if if I said to, I said this to Jess the other day, if you sat me down and went, Ryan, if you go into that theater and you you've got to do the intermission that he has as well. If you go into that theatre and you sit through the whole of the Snyder Cut of Justice League, I'll give you £1,000. But if you walk out of the cinema at any point and you owe me £1,000, I was like, I'll take a loan out. I'm, <laughs> I'm not watching it. I'm, yeah. It's not happening. So I'm but so happy Marvel don't make us... Aspect ratio. 
I'm so happy yeah. Marvel don't make me feel like this. <laughs> but to be fair, that was that was a really good touch when you when you were watching the Wonder Vision things when it was like in the Westview sitcom world. Um, it it was in an aspect of ratio that would have been suitable for the time. Yeah. And then when you switch to a sword scene or a scene outside of a hex, um, you get a normal sort of aspect ratio, which I yeah. thought was a good touch. One thing, one thing I will sort of make, I something I thought was just, I, I think I hated it at the time, but I look back now and I'm like, actually, fair play Marvel for doing this. They teased so much. They gave like so many fan bonus. They baited comic book nerds to be like, oh, Mephisto, mm. we're getting multiverse, we're getting x-men crossover i remember people being this could like, be hydra because of the fucking adverts and everything oh, was... yeah I, I remember people being like magneto is going to be in there because paul bettany the guy who plays vision um in an interview was like oh i'm working with an actor in this there's a brief scene and i've wanted to work with them for long for ages and then when they came in there with fireworks and such great chemistry people were like oh it's ian mckellen or it's patrick stewart and it was just not. It was actually Paul Bettany. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I absolutely love that so much. And I, I love that. Yeah. The one thing I want to say about the aspect ratio thing, and obviously it makes sense because of the plot of the show, where obviously only technologies that can be used in those time periods can be used to film the show that she's making, which makes a lot of sense. But I'm happy that the people who made the show stuck to their guns because they could have gone... No one's watched anything in 4x3 who aren't art film nerds in fucking years. So this is just mm. going to turn people off. I'm so glad they stuck to their guns and went, no, it is going to be in black and white. It is going to be in 4x3. We will change the aspect ratio and the cameras we use because it's introducing that to an audience that would not necessarily ever try films like that and maybe more open to it now, which gives you so much more room. Like if you... Like now, if you wanted to make the sergeant, uh, if you wanted to make the Agent Carter show, you could have used so, like actual film cameras. You could have used like four by three cameras, and it would have been really, really cool to have seen even like just some scenes in that. So I'm hoping if they do anything, anything eighties related or nineties related in the MCU, that they try that again because it was, it was just awesome to see. And I think that's the one thing that's actually put me off. The Winter Soldier and the Falcon too much is this show is too close to MCU. WandaVision had a lot of a had a very refreshing atmosphere. It's why I don't like um it's why I don't like Agents of Shield, because it's just so it's the parts of the Marvel films that I don't really that I didn't really like at the time. Mm -hmm. And I'm so glad that WandaVision's made has has made a show that's really art housey and also basic at the same time for the people that need it so yeah yeah i think like i mean just a sort of like a, a closing sort of opinion of of my general thoughts now i thought there were a lot of issues with one division mm. i think like i think it could have been a bit longer um yeah. and i think they could have played more into a concept that wanders the villain um and i think they could have played around with that a bit more um, I think they could have done so much more with the Haywood character as well. I think they are a good character and I think they are a good villain, but it just sort of left, particularly after the last episode, it left me wanting so much more. Yeah. I th but the thing is, though, I think WandaVision, it either completely missed notes or it just hit them like 
out of the park, straight, straight up like home runs. Yeah. Like, because for some episodes, the pacing is absolutely perfect. The style is perfect. It's funny, but it is sinister at the same time. Yeah. But then on other episodes, it's just like, you're holding my hand or you're just shitting on plot points that you've put in just for like fan service. Yeah. That See, being I'm... said though, Go on. I, I agree with you. I think it's like a really nice, refreshing way of telling a Marvel story. And I actually kind of hope that they use the format more. Yeah. Or so that kind of style or approach more. Exactly. It would make so it would make for such good cinema going. I think the main reason that it's not as long and sadly it's not anything fun to talk about, like why it is why it's not as long. It's because these actors cost millions to just yeah. put in a room. So even even some of the guest stars that they had cost quite a bit of money to put in. New characters like the actor who plays Jimmy Woo, he's not on small money anymore. He's done quite a bit with his career. And Darcy, the woman who plays Darcy, she's doing better than she was um, before Thor and everything like that. Mm-hmm. So putting, putting these people into what we as Brits would expect as a TV show um, makes more sense because obviously most of our shows are about eight, nine episodes a season because they're low budget. But um, Americans, I think, must have more of a problem with that even than we do because their sh- like shows are like sometimes 24 episodes a season or like 12, even 12 is quite a bit to British audiences depending on like like black books and shows like that, comedies like mm-hmm. that or normal BBC shows only run for about eight episodes a season. And that's yeah. seen as sometimes a long season. Um but I'm hoping that they take the good parts of the show and they help to make new TV shows that are going to do as well. Plus, they've got to see it from the point of people are paying for a subscription with this. They're not getting bums on seats. So there's less money in that as well, sadly. Because if this was released yeah. in cinemas every week, um, I think it would have made... this. If, if obviously we weren't in a pandemic, it would have made way 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 more money than it would have on disney plus because people would have been eager to see it anyway even if it was like one episode a week in the cinema but um watch marvel bring back the b movie and we oh, have, please like, that, would, that would actually be really cool though so say you go see your main marvel blockbuster but before you've got like a 20 minute crazy thing oh, and it's like it. i don't know <laughs> white vision read the philosophy books trying to figure out if he's oh man they could do so they could set up so many things if they did that through b movies like they could take characters that nobody gives a shit about put them in like a 30 minute b movie and then put you into the main action thing and then like a couple years down the line maybe that character's been introduced to a film or something that'd be really cool but obviously the way cinemas are going don't think that's ever gonna happen um but that being said i'm trying to ring you Someone trying to ring me. Oh wait, no, someone's trying to ring me. Oh. Uh. <laughs> Give me a second. Sorry about that. Yeah. There you go, Marvel. If you're listening, I'll send you my bank details and <laughs> you can send us. 
I'll write. I'll write your B movies. <laughs> I will take that job. Yeah, Nick, you can pay Nick. I'll take the credit. Sorted. That's that's what we'll do. I need a job, Marvel. <laughs> Be my first film employer. Yay! What? Well, imagine that on your CV. What have you done? I wrote like six B movies for Marvel. For Marvel? Yes. We'll take you on for Lime Pictures to make fucking Holby City. I'll do that. Uh, right. Uh. Should we take a little break and then we'll be back with my episodes, which are episodes six, seven, and eight? Because I think we can just talk about the finale together. Because yeah, we need to talk about it because it's part of the show. So yeah, we'll yeah. take a quick break and we'll be back in a bit. And there are going to be no ads because we don't have any advertisers. <laughs> See you after the break. Hey guys, I'm welcome. Oh, it's your turn to introduce Nick. Your turn. Oh yeah. And we are back to <laughs> three of our favorite things. The podcast where we talk about three of our favorite things. This episode, we're taking a slightly different approach, aren't we, Ryan? Yes, yes, yes about, we are, Nick. Talk about WandaVision. But Wonder- let's Wonder- talk about it in general. Just WandaVision. Using, you know, three episodes here and there. So Ryan, Ryan. Why don't you start us off with uh, your number three episode? From I will. The Marvel Cinematic Universe TV show, WandaVision. <laughs> so you're listening to a 403 All Halloween Spectacular Radio. And um, today we're going to be talking about episode six of WandaVision, which funnily enough comes right after, after episode five. Can't speak. Um, this episode is the first episode with Pietro as a main character. I think it's actually also the last one uh, with him as a main character. Um, he was pretty much pushed aside almost instantly. So this episode takes place in a um, 90s, I think. The thing they were referencing with the title was Even Stevens, um, an old Disney show. I it was Malcolm in the Middle. Malcolm in the Middle, that was it. wasn't Even Stevens, Malcolm in the Middle. Um, and this episode was one of my favourites. Um, I think because of the whole Halloween vibe, it took a gimmick again, which I really liked because obviously we didn't get that um, from... We got that a little bit from episode five, but we mainly got it from episode one and two um, where there was a theme. And I really liked it because every like fucking sitcom you ever watch has a Halloween episode. And um, mm-hmm. they are used... like If you're looking at shows like Brooklyn and you're looking at shows like Community and a lot of American shows... They always have a Halloween episode. Like we were saying before, Americans tend to have one thing that works in one season and they'll do it every season. Um, like we just had the Halloween heists, paintball, all that sort of stuff. Um, but this show um, only obviously has... I don't think they're going to make another season, so I don't imagine there'll be another Halloween episode. No. There's no the need. Done. The story is done. Um, no. But yeah, so this episode is uh, sort of about more about vision than it is about Wanda um, and about the kids. So we see um, Tommy and Billy are the name of the kids, yeah? They get their powers in this episode. So obviously they're meant to be Wiccan and Speed from the Marvel comics. Um, Mm -hmm. For some reason, and my theory behind it is they have their mother and their uncle's powers. And obviously like they shouldn't have any of their uncle's powers because it's their uncle. Um, my theory is, well, you know, Vision's not a human, he's a machine, 
so he can't reproduce. But Wanda's also magical. So my theory is that they are basically just clones of Wanda's DNA into into like new people because obviously twins share the exact same DNA. So should they probably have to get the same powers because with Wanda's DNA, you're either going to get super speed or magic. So that it makes sense. Um, we actually get more of a personality of the twins, which I really like. It kind of brings the tone of later episodes um, a bit darker because we're, we're actually introduced to them. We have the stereotypical 90s um, uncle who's just not by the book and is like a child, the Jake Peralta of the family. Um, that's essentially what he is. And I just think it was a lot of fun. I really liked um, Vision going out and try and going to the edges of Westview and seeing the people who were barely being monitored. It's the way I put it to people who didn't understand why that, that was happening is it's sort of like a video game. So where you are is the main place that matters on camera. So obviously where Wanda is, is where everything's happening. So the further you go out, the more non-player characters, NPCs are just going to be there doing automated things and it won't necessarily change. Maybe they'll go to bed when they're meant to go to bed, but they'll just be there doing things that don't look normal because that's not where the main character is. So I thought that was really cool. Um, and obviously we get the sort of video game thingy coming in with the 90s at the start of the episode where they're playing video games and shotgunning sodas. But yeah, the, um, I really liked the more so the fact that this episode gave a tie-in to what was going on exactly with Vision. Because obviously we all th th think he's dead, which he basically is. We think he, like, Wanda's reanimating the corpse. I think we even see that in the episode that you were talking about, episode 5. We see Vision's... Is it episode 5 that we see Vision's head? I think uh, it is, isn't it? It's yeah. like a... Yeah. When we see, we but obviously see that he's a husk of himself. But that even that is... Um, that's like... I thought that was a thing that Agatha did to try and creep out um, yeah. Wanda. Be yeah. This, to be fair, the thing is, I loved the vision side of this episode, but I hated the Wanda bit. It was just, I, d I don't know what it was. I think I think I was I was expecting to see the Pietro that we saw in um, like Days of Future Past. Mm. Um, in those X-Men films because I love that character yeah um, I love that actor as that character I think he is perfect and that's why I'm really pissed off that it's just a lookalike um, I yeah. really I really don't like that um, that Quicksilver's way better than her Pietro like way better yeah like he listens to Pink Floyd's and like dodges glass bullets while he's tasting desserts he's fucking he's a badass and um yeah, yeah so I, th I think why they did the the Wanda Vision split in this episode was obviously because Wanda's still trying to make this her TV show, and Vision's yeah. trying to figure it out, which makes sense. So we're keeping the the like the gimmicky format while moving on with the actual MCU story. Um, I did like the whole Vision coming out and wicking sense in it and being like, "Mom, it's Daddy's in trouble." Um, was this the episode? I think it was. This is the episode with the um, where Wanda comes out, isn't it? Out of the bubble for the first time. No, it's not. No, that was episode uh, five. That is episode five. Yeah. yeah. So that's obviously, yeah, and we see Wanda obviously trying to save Vision by expanding the bubble, 
which then we see all what she thinks of sword when it expands they get turned into a whole circus with clown cars and stuff which is really funny um and then a tied up darcy gets turned into an escape artist which i really liked um this is also one of the first episodes where we see um vision like acknowledging that these are actual souls that wander is trapped here and that they are in pain because all they're getting is what she's feeling which is yeah. really really messed up a very black mirror thing to do i do like that though i do think it's really clever how the way she's feeling is affecting how these people are actually feeling and the facade that she puts up is also their facade which is really cool um but yeah this i, I think I think the only thing I didn't like about this episode was the fact that they didn't use cameras from the 90s. They used modern cameras, um, which I was really kind of pissed off by because I wanted to see a little bit of grit. I wanted to see something like I wanted to see it still sort of film, maybe half digital, because that's where we were getting to at the time. Um, but yeah, I also really yeah. liked the fact. Well, maybe like just some like. Go on. Like some VHS. You know how like you get like the re the fast forward or like a play sort of like, like a VHS sort of thing that would have yeah. been cool and plus yeah. there's so like, much cool again, cinematic just... style in the 90s that they just didn't touch on which really annoyed me but yeah 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 so I, I think was, go was, on. I think the issue the issue that I kind of took um, with this episode it, it started to abandon the style a little bit and I think like the last four episodes really are very different like the first five yeah, yeah, they uh, really are. I think. Yeah, but, see, yeah. I, I think with this episode, it can, it did stray from the path a little bit. I did really like the use of obviously their costumes, like to be like they were just the superheroes they were. Even Wiccan and Speed were pretty much dressed how they are in the comics. Um, and Pietro obviously bringing Speed in with the little with the little uh, Quicksilver costume as well. That was really cool. Yeah. And um, the that fact that now. Uh, what's his bloody name? The next door neighbor is it Bert? I can't Earl. remember his name. He's Earl. Earl, yeah. The fact that Earl asks Wanda, "Do you want me to? Is there something you want changing?" And he's on board. I'm really annoyed that Earl's thing of him knowing what's going on isn't explained. It was hinted at. And it's never been talked about since. He was one of the only other characters, which leads me to believe maybe he was a wizard or something there was a couple was... of theories going around that the woman who um does all the housewife services in episode three or two was the um was a witch as well but a good witch which i would have loved to have seen but they didn't do, no, no. do you... so this is this is a question i want to ask you like do you think that obviously you you know way more about the mcu than me and as a comic fan you probably picked up on those little hints and those little things more. Do you think like one division teased too much for the sake of teasing it? Like knowing yeah. that these fans now like pour over every single detail. Yeah. And ultimately, because I I kind of got the feeling that like in some ways it didn't decide on the stories that it wanted to tell, and it kind of just wanted to drum up fans talking about it on the internet to give it like that sort of buzz. It did. It did. It really, really fucking did. Because yeah. the, the thing about the MCU is they tease things sometimes and it doesn't come to fruition, which is completely fine. You've got, like, your filmmakers within your right to do that. You are, it happens in the comics as well. Things get teased. 
doesn't end up happening. That's cool. For whatever reason, that's fine. Maybe they'll have more room to explore things now that they're doing more TV shows as well as films. And I'm hoping that they do. But they have teased so much stuff in WandaVision that won't make it to another show, in my opinion. Because it was... Like, this whole thing is in a bubble, literally. This whole short show is gonna is now irrelevant to the MCU because we've had the payoff. There's not really any consequences with what happened in Westview apart from maybe the radiation. And then that's it. That that That's all done. But um, the woman, I can't remember her fucking name for the life of me, um, the housewife in that show, her name is similar to one of the aliases of a good witch in the MCU that knows mm-hmm. Agatha Harkness. And you know her husband in the show? He looks exactly the mm-hmm. same as her husband in the comics and has the exact same name. Mm. And they yeah. and she her flowers, when you cut to a coloured episode, are yellow. Her roses are yellow, which is that witch's colour as well. Um, mm. So that really pissed me off because they're not going to talk about her anymore unless she comes out in a future thing, which I'm hoping she does, but I don't see what the relevance would be and I don't think it would work because she was meant to have been brainwashed as well. Um, and the Earl things really pissed me off because we're never going to see that guy again. And why did yeah. he know what was going on? Um, but I don't know, man. I think Marvel are obviously notorious at setting things up. And uh, and uh, most of the time, they come to fruition when they want it to. But a lot of it gets scrapped. And I'm hoping that there are links. Like we said, we've got this new Spider-Man film coming out. And I think it's pretty much fucking fact at this point that it's got half of the other spider-man actors in there and like all the main characters and everything which i am looking forward to um but this could have set up so much cool shit so agatha harkness her boss is mephisto who isn't the devil but basically is the devil he's a demon so strong he could be the devil if he wanted to be and um and he triggered a guy called the jackal in the Spider-Man comics, who created the Spider-Man clone saga, which was hated by fans in the 90s, but they could have done something really cool where... Um, mm. And like, then that tied into the Spider-Man films. Exactly, they could have done that, yeah. and they could have done it better than the people in the 90s did, because they had um, Ben Parker, yeah. who was a Peter Parker clone, who went on to try and become a different type of Spider-Man. They had another one, who ended up becoming the Scarlet Spider, who was like really cool but he was like almost an anti-hero because he was distraught by the fact that he was a clone as you would be and then um like there was another clone that died that was basically peter parker and we don't know which one of them was the real peter parker um there's so much stuff that marvel could do that would be really interesting with this whole series that they set up but i just don't see most of it happening because it would be too loose a tie at this point mm-hmm. And the Winter Soldier and Falcon looks like it's going on a completely different path. It's not even related to Wanda. It might be by the finale, but I very much doubt it. It seems mm. like this is completely different. Um, but yeah, so yeah, this this episode is just kind of, to me, it's a good filler episode. It was called C. Pietro. Um, I'm kind of pissed off that he wasn't who we thought he was. If anything, it would have been, even though it was obvious that it, if it would have been too obvious, it would have been better. Just because something's obvious doesn't mean you shouldn't do it, in especially yeah. in film. Because sometimes the most obvious thing is the best thing. You don't want to overthink it. And I think that's what they've done with casting him 
they should have just done a different actor and had it. Mm. That would have been just as weird if he's like, "Hello, big sis," and you're like, "Who the fuck's this guy?" That would have <laughs> yeah. been that would have been more shocking. But instead, they chose an actor to try and tease us, and um, when they clearly can do stuff with the mutants now, yeah. So yeah. that's my thoughts on the Halloween episode. <laughs> okay, should we move on to your next episode, Brian? Yeah. So the next episode is episode seven, breaking the fourth wall. So um, this is the modern family. You this episode. Yeah, I think it's more oh, modern. No, modern. Yeah, the, it's modern Wait, family. The theme tune is kind of like the office, though, isn't it? It's really similar, yeah, which I quite like. Yeah. It's it's obviously taken the piss out of mockumentary, which I really liked because yeah. they even had the mockumentary person speak back in it, which they do in a lot of those shows, um, and then, which we later found out was Agatha, because it was always Agatha all along, as we find out in this episode. <laughs> in this episode, that's what we find out. Um, but yeah, so um, this is the episode where Vision has died at the end of the last one, and he sort of, well, he was being ripped apart, and then um, the bubble expands. So the kids are playing video games and everything's glitching. And Wanda wakes up still in the clothes from the night before. And she's having a me day to try it, which is just Wanda being selfish for the sake of it in this episode. But it makes sense through what she's going through in her own head. She needs mm. that time to recuperate, which is fine. Because even though she doesn't realize it, she has been manipulating this whole town. Um, yeah. And so that's going to drain the shit out of you, no matter how powerful you are. Um, I think this is also the episode where we get a first mini reference to a Doctor Strange character, but it's not really, not really forced into like the story at all. It's kind of a throwaway thing that a lot of people didn't realize. I can't remember the quote off the top of my head, but um, I loved the use of interviews with the actors, how they do yeah. it in mockumentaries at the moment. I thought the vision. Uh, when he's sat on the little stool with his legs crossed and with his cape flowing like all over it in the little director's stool and he's like what am I doing here and just flies away because he's like I don't have to do this I know what's going on um, yeah. I loved Darcy um, in this episode because she just took no shit I loved how he immediately mm. just went right your brain's back and I thought that was cool I thought the use of her being an escape artist after being handcuffed was really good Um yeah, and I, I really, really like the episode altogether. I think the fact that Wanda was doing almost comedic things to stop Vision coming back was good because obviously the show's got more budget because it's the early noughties now, so they can afford two camera crews to go around. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think this episode was really good for the fact that it was the birth of Agatha, um, not Agnes now, which I really like. The fact that... Um, we end this episode with her being like, it was me all along doing all this weird shit to you. Even though it was blatantly Wanda who set up the whole bubble and stuff. Um, we get we get taught about basic witchcraft in the next episode, which is really cool. And we get taught about more things that Wanda can use later. This episode is more of a Wanda discovering who the actual villain is for her. So we, we know Hayward's the main villain, but Agatha is the more threatening one, um, which I really liked. We see that Pietro is basically um, just a figment of Agatha's creation that she found a lookalike of him from another universe, but it was actually just a lookalike that lived on the same, it lived in Westview. Um, but yeah, this was also an episode based really well in the modern day. I think this was this was the episode where we see um, them basically trying to figure out whether they can build this massive truck that could go into 
the uh, hex, as it's called. And yeah, so I just I think this episode was really well done. Uh, the format worked really well with what it needed to accomplish in terms of the shooting style for Wonder Show and the shooting style for Marvel. So yeah, what did you think of the episode? Yeah, I I, I actually really enjoyed this episode. I feel like I say this every time. <laughs> but what I really enjoyed about this one is I really enjoyed the Vision storyline. Yeah, I I think like this show has done wonders for the <laughs> wonders for the Vision. <laughs> yeah, but no, it literally has. Because I remember when Vision came in in Age of Ultron and like watching that in the cinema, and I was like. Well, literal hand of God. Like, yeah. It looks like this guy can basically just do anything. Yeah, he he but, is the MCU's Superman. Yeah. Yeah. But I thought this show really sort of humanised him and made him a character that isn't just a plot device, isn't actually a good character. Mm. And I think this episode shows that more because you understand now that Vision is, is independent, sort of, of yeah. the wonder reality that's been created. And it also, I, I often sort of thought that the Vision and Wonder um, romance was a little bit forced, particularly in some of the films. Yeah. Something that I never really connected with. But it's this episode I was like, Vision actually fully does love Wonder. Yeah. And loves the family that he's got here and wants to make sure that they're happy and that sort of stuff. Yeah. I kind of liked what I thought, also thought was interesting about this episode is it was sort of like Marvel going, okay, this is this is the end of this weird concept that we've got going on now. Like, as soon as it revealed that, it was like I felt all along. It was like, okay, sit down and enjoy some classic Marvel antics. And I was like, okay, I'm here for that now. Yeah. See, I think with this episode especially, I think, I don't know why, but... Apart from episode two, this is my favorite use as Vision as a comedic character. Because um, mm. he, he is quite funny in this episode, even though he's trying to be serious. And I think with one of Wanda's main influences being the Dick Van Dyke show, um, and like that sort of thing, they should have lent in more to the husband being a funny character as well. Um, we also, I really like Paul Bettany because even though Vision is technically American, even though he shouldn't really have a nationality, and even though he is built in America and made by two Sokovians and then made by two Americans, they use very British humour for him, which I really, really like. Like, the fact that he's just, like, fed up with the fact that Wanda's trying to do it. He's like, why am I just sat here? I can actually do something. And flies off um, through the car roof. I think... And the only other time that's happened is the episode that you talked about, episode two, where he eats the chewing gum and goes up. I was like, this is the most British I've ever seen Paul Bettany as Vision. And I absolutely love it. I want more of that from him. Um, mm. And I just love him as an actor. I think he's just really, really funny. And he is funny in interviews as well. And it was lovely to see that come through in this episode, especially yeah. with a character like Darcy, who's already probably one of the best parts of the Thor films because she's just funny. Yeah. Um Especially in the four films. I mean, let's be honest, those films aren't very funny apart from Ragnarok. Like, <laughs> Dark World and Thor were both directed by uh, Kenneth Branagh, who's a Shakespearean <laughs> actor who's only ever directed shit like Hamlet, Frankenstein, and like The Musketeers. 
It was terrible. As <laughs> a Marvel yeah. B movie, they should do like a um, a Darcy and Grandmaster chat show. Oh yes. That would be cool, wouldn't it? Yeah, and Jimmy Woo could be like their version of like Reggie Watts and stuff, where he's like at the <laughs> drum kit and he's like, oh, I would love that. I would. Or do you know yes. Conan? How Conan has the other guy on the couch that's always yes. there. That's Jimmy Woo. That would be class. <laughs> I'd yeah. absolutely oh. love that. Marvel <laughs> just needs to hire us. Yeah. Oh. Head of head of side content sorted. Um, yeah. So <laughs> this exactly. I think I really liked. Um, this was also the episode where uh, Monica Rambo breaks in to the. Um, she just walks through the hex to get in, um, which we're yeah. clearly seeing. It's been speculated that she's got Captain Marvel powers, which, judging by her being able to land herself after Wanda tried to throw her to the floor, she's got some form of superhuman powers. Mm -hmm. Um, Having someone so similar to Captain Marvel right now, when Captain Marvel is still a very new character, she's only like two years old. Um, Yeah. I don't think it would make sense, so I'm hoping that they do something different with her. Maybe just give her something unique, or give her maybe something a little bit more limiting um, than Captain Marvel, because again, Captain Marvel is a Superman character. She's un- she- she's unbeatable. Even Jimmy Woo yeah. says she could have beat Thanos on her own. Um, yeah. So where is she? Um, so And also, she's obviously got some drama with Captain Marvel at the, mar- at the moment, because she refused to speak about her. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think I, it was a really good use of you, of Monica actually being seen as almost as strong as Scarlet Witch, which I really liked. And then obviously we get the boys being kidnapped at the end of the episode, and then we're taken off to the next episode. So yeah. So do you want to move on to the next episode? We shall. <laughs> so this is my final one, but then we will be both going in to the series finale. So this is episode eight. and um, This is my favourite episode in context. It's not the funniest. Um, it's not the best shot. But I think it's an important one. So this episode we see um, the birth of Agatha Harkness. Uh, she's a horrible witch that ends up getting her powers through what we think is about to be a witch burning in Salem um, during the time of the witch burnings, but it's actually a coven meeting. Um, all the witches try to drain Agatha's powers and then she becomes Agatha Harkness, a really divine, dark witch. Um, and then we also see the use of basic magic, such as runes on walls, um, and the only person who can use magic within those rooms is the witch that casts the runes. Um, we see the use of um, mind-bending powers, which is where you can change someone's reality. Uh, she's doing it to an extremely small standard compared to Wanda. Yeah. She's doing it through a room, um, which is basic witchcraft again, apparently. Um, which I really liked learning about because I want to know how these awesome powers work in this franchise. Because all we've got is Doctor Strange, who again is a Superman of fucking of magic, but we don't see how basic magic users get to use it. And I'm really into like vampires and witches and that sort of stuff. So it was really cool to see how that goes. Um, and we also get to see why she was so obsessed with sitcoms, which I really fucking loved. The fact that she just had boxes that her dad was trying to flog. Um, and then for anybody who's not from the UK flog his cell um, I've just realised that colloquialism is extremely northern um, and then yeah so 
we, we see her loving the Dick Van Dyke show. We see her getting blown up. We see the Hydra stuff, which was really interesting because all we've seen of Hydra at the moment is them being bad guys and five seconds of them in a cell. Yeah. Um, I really loved that they showed how dangerous the Tesseract was at the time and were like, this has killed everybody that's ever touched. What makes you think this is going to be any different? Yeah, the Mind Stone, sorry, because it's, yeah. it's in the Tesseract. No, it's not. It's in Loki's Scepter. Because it yeah. was the Tesseract, then the Scepter, and then its own stone. And then, um, so yeah, I think that was really cool to learn about her Hydra days. Um, I would have really liked to have seen her Radicalist phase a little bit more. Because mm. um, obviously the whole Stark thing um, made her become a Radical protester, which I think would have been really, really cool to have seen. Um, but yeah, I think this episode's the strongest because of the way it ends. Uh, with the face-off between Wanda and um, Agatha. Obviously, there's not much of Vision in this episode. It was nice to see Wanda watching Modern Family with Vision in the Avengers house after Pietro died, though. That was a lovely little heartwarming mm. moment. And just, obviously, they had to revert Vision back to the stone-faced robot Vision for that. Mm. But um, it would have been nicer to have seen moments with Vision where they were actually affectionate and treated him like a person. Um, but obviously, like they were mainly in battle and hiding and stuff. From from when Pietro died, they were on the run like very soon after, weren't they? Because of civil war. So yeah. yeah. Uh, your thoughts I, on this episode? I um, I do not like this episode. I thought Ooh. it it explained a lot of really cool stuff, but it, this is it, it's an example of the bad pacing. And I yeah. think, obviously there was going to be a big reveal, and I think the big reveal was Agatha Hartness, and I liked that. And then I did kind of like the concept that like Agatha is like taking her through all her past to like, get over stuff, and I liked I liked how it showed that there's like part of the men, Mind Stone yeah. in Wanda, and that's kind of explains all of her powers and stuff, and how she has this connection with Vision. But I just thought it was... It was so like hand holding. See, that I was, think it's meant to be though. It. I think it's meant yeah. to be because this episode I think works because the going through your past thing is a thing that's used in a lot of sitcoms, especially at Christmas time, True. because of the ghost of future past, future and present, um, from Christmas Carol. So I think they used a really good trope, but it would have been cool if even when this Agatha stuff was happening, it was still a show format. I think that's where they went wrong. They made it real. They didn't make it part of Wanda's show. Maybe that would have made it a bit better, um, a bit more Honestly. acceptable, but it's still yeah. it's still not a great way to do it because it's so, it's all, that trope is secondary to I woke up and it was a dream the whole time. Um, but it, it yeah. would have been better to have seen it in a film, for, in, a, in a TV format. Um, yeah. But yeah, it is... I like this episode for the sake of the comic booky things of it. By no means mm. is this the best filmed, written, or... And it's just really good comic book exposition. Um, for instance, we get taught that Wanda's powers are stronger than the Sorcerer Supreme, which I was like, fuck, if she's stronger than Doctor Strange, no one can stop her. Um, Vision probably couldn't really stop her. I don't think Iron Man could have ever have stopped her. If she becomes 
even if she ever gets hurt again in the way that she's been hurt she is the next thanos she could destroy everything which i'm hoping is what they do i'm hoping they make wanda a villain um and turn it into the bad guy because that would be a really good route to take with the character and as we've seen from comic books when she is turned into the bad guy she is the most effective because she is just yeah. unstoppable so yeah I, I really liked it obviously there were issues with this i didn't like the lack of vision in this episode because he wasn't i don't think he was on screen once until the end yeah and that really annoyed think, me as i say i think it was like i think it just shows the issue that um the show couldn't choose on one thing at the start and i liked it because i liked how it used the concept and i liked the way that it introduced so many new characters but i felt that if it had say picked on a haywood threat or picked on um wonder is the bad guy yeah and i thought like or maybe even done more of agnes like, I think, like, if you rewatch it, you get so much more from knowing that it was Agatha all along. They gave us too but... many villains, man. That's what... It is true. It, yeah. They could have done it where the first villain was Agatha, and she had to deal with that. And then she yeah. found out about her, like, amazing powers. And then the Hayward stuff came more into effect. Obviously, we need to be introduced to him beforehand, have more of the modern-day stuff still going. But he, he deserved better because he was a good Hans Groupery villain like he wasn't he's not OP he can obviously be beaten by Wanda because of what we saw with the guns which I really really liked um, and I don't know he's just maybe from the eyes of Marvel he's not powerful enough and there was no way he was ever going to beat Wanda even with the vision there was going to be a way that that was going to go around it but yeah, yeah. anyway this... I think the main thing we need to talk about this episode is white vision well this is this is what i'm gonna say this sort of like ties in to um what i'm thinking about saying with the, with the finale basically but yes yeah, so you got like white vision at the end and i thought okay that's that's cool but i think then that was that was another issue because then you effectively have three villains to be fought in what was a 40 minute tv episode yeah yeah and let me just check the length of this one because they're all weirdly. I, this is one thing that really fucking annoyed me about this show is that the a lot of these like episodes. Minutes long. <laughs> yeah, the first the first um, four episodes were around the thirty to thirty five mark. Some went over, some went under. Then we get to see we get to episode five. That's forty two minutes, and then thirty eight, thirty eight. That's good. Forty seven, fifty. The pacing is off with the whole show in general because they didn't stick to a normal TV format. The reason that shows work and the way they work is because they're given a very limited time to work in. And obviously because this is Disney Plus and this is Marvel, they could afford to take liberties with how long the episodes were. And and people don't understand how much a minute is in a film. Like a minute of a film is roughly one page of a screenplay on paper. So if you're looking at a 48 minute episode, that screenplay is gonna be roughly 48 pages and how much you can fit on six, seven extra pages is insane. The amount of exposition, the amount of dialogue, the amount of time, the amount of time a minute is in a film or a TV show is extremely important to the narrative of a season. You want it to be 
in fact you don't even want an extra minute per episode you need it to be around 31 minutes and it that's kind of where it went wrong with that um, i kind of want to disagree with you and i kind of want to say that if they had thought about the pacing more they could have done this format where the last episode was longer and actually made it that, that would have been fine better. That, that last but episode because, being longer and the first episode being the shortest would have been yeah. would have made sense. Yeah, but it 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 was it, it failed to like properly pick a villain and then it had to wrap up all these plot points. Yeah, in in a forty minute forty minutes of television. Yeah, and I think I liked I liked the vision on vision. I thought yeah, that was good, and I liked um, Scarlet. Which versus Agatha, but I'm really at that point. I just generally couldn't give a shit about the Haywood storyline. No, no, that's that's just, the thing. He became irrelevant like... so quickly. He was relevant. Yeah. He was relevant. Right. Let's let me just go back to the page. So we found out about Haywood in episode four, and it paid off. And ep- mm-hmm. the payoffs were all in episode nine. So we'd known about him for five episodes, and we built up this big bad guy who basically was the head of a shield type place with amazing weapons and artificial intelligence weapons and he could have he could have actually held up a fight with his company which would have been class because it would have been a stark x-esque villain versus a witch Um, and they just got him to crash his car and that's how he kind of was dispersed and that was really annoying the the battle between the two visions I really liked because obviously Vision is like one of the most powerful beings in the Marvel universe, and the fact that he the only reason he could defeat himself was because of philosophy, like that was just insane. I was like, I love that so much. <laughs> when when they if you if you don't know who it is, I'm actually doing um I'm doing a philosophy degree. Um... You notice how Nick went quiet <laughs> when he said I'm doing a philosophy degree. <laughs> um. <laughs> when when that bit came up on the TV show and it was like, are you aware of the myth of the ship of DC's? <laughs> Nick immediately took out his notebook. <laughs> no, but like, I was uh, like, yes, I do know that. <laughs> <laughs> I think everybody above the age of five knows that because we did it in Greek mythology in year four. <laughs> yeah, but I, I could explain to you the wide metaphysical implications. <laughs> oh, mate, it was just... I, I loved it because obviously it was a really good way of pinning Vision against Vision. People were expecting a massive fist fight, which was kind of appeased by the first part of their argument. I just think obviously Vision's going to use the most logical way, which is non-violent, and the best way to defeat mm-hmm. someone was with words, which is really cool. Um, and then obviously you get the Wanda to take down against Agatha, where she uses her own thing against her, which is just textbook screenwriting. Make mm-hmm. the villain use something, make yeah. the hero use it better cool um and I, I, I don't know i liked the finale watching it and thinking back on it i think it was it was quite weak but the whole show is so grand the idea is so chaotic in itself i'm really surprised that this wasn't a massive marvel flop because it could have been this was either gonna be an ex- like astounding success or a major flop so they've done extremely well to meet in the middle. Like, mm-hmm. really well. I didn't expect it to succeed as well as it did. I'll, I'll give you, like, 
my personal sort of like opinion this is my sort of final not final this is like my overall statement of what i think of the one division i think the best elements of it were when it was furthest away from what we'd seen in marvel before i think once it started to branch off that more like black mirror um ashes to ashes style of kind of thing and once it started trying to do more to you sort of stuff it just wasn't as good it was nowhere near as good no as where it was at the start of the series yeah what's so good about this format about this concept is that it wasn't like anything that we'd seen before and mm-hmm. then they kind of just give us and we knew it was all coming but i just sort of feel it just didn't pay off in the way yeah. that i expected those marvel-esque bits to pay off but and that, that being said the best parts of it were the parts that weren't Marvel. Exactly. I, that's exactly what I think. The best parts were the less Marvel bits, the bits where, like, there was a little bit of a break, like, the, especially the bits where the radio communications were coming in and the bits where, like, the woman from that 70s show was, like, stop it, start. Like, the really tense bits, like, the bits we've talked about with the uh, with Vision and Wanda's argument in the middle of the credits and all these really quirky story-driven things that work well with film techniques were really 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 cool and i want to i don't want marvel to feel disheartened by a lot of the criticisms the show will obviously be getting um but i also think that this show is going to make it really hard for people to watch falcon and the winter soldier i think they've done this the wrong way around what they should have done is they should have released falcon and the winter soldier then one division to give us this fresh take and then loki because it seems like loki is going to be the more one division-esque show um it seems like it's very out there and that's what i want i remember i was reading an article and i think that was actually the original plan it should have yeah because of of covid um they couldn't get falcon and winter soldier finished in time i think that's gonna give that show i think that's gonna make that show feel worse though now yeah, and one division for Harvey. Um, a lot of the shots are either one shots or long shots. So mm. I think it was uh, filmed during COVID time, and yeah. people were sort of like socially distancing and stuff like that. So, yeah. yeah, just one of those things. See, I I think one of the things that I think is really cool about the show is obviously now because of uh, Marvel Studios being a massive money maker for Disney they are incorporating very Disney-esque aspects into their um, into their TV shows and their new content and Marvel. So what I really want to touch on before we get to, um, before we carry on with the finale, is the practical effects thing. Um, when it came to episode one with the dinner party, um, I absolutely loved how real it looked in terms of like it looked like actual yeah. 50s practical effects and it it mm-hmm. looked pulled off it looked like those plates were actually real plates floating it didn't look cgi which i really really like and that is so disney like if you go back and watch like bed bed knocks and broomsticks or mary poppins and shows like and movies like that you see in these effects in a similar time period being used in a similar way and that's so disney and i love it and they do the same thing with the 70s as well where they do the spinning paintings and the flamingos and the animals and all that. i absolutely lo- and like the window just being swung open in the air and that like 
if you go and watch, um, if I mean, if you're listening to this episode and you got Disney Plus and you're watching One Division, watch the Imagineering story because it goes into how Disney created these effects for rides and then could slowly incorporate them into film and how um, Walt Disney made a whole section of the company called um, WED, um, which was his initials, where all they did was find and create new technologies. And um, they actually ended up inventing things before the military did and having to give things over to the military, which was pretty fucking cool. Um, So yeah, like, and just before we move on, uh, Disney, uh, this is a quick statistic. Disney spend more money on um, on ammunition a year than the U.S. military because of how much fireworks they use. <laughs> they they use Disney's more explosive. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Disney could effectively start an army if they wanted to. They could probably make a real Iron Man suit and just you know do what they want. There was a time that um, Pepsi um, had. Like one of the largest navies in the world. Yeah, I heard about because, that. Because <laughs> um, it was, it was, it probably wasn't Stalin. It was one of the Soviet leaders who was big into like military presence, have like a huge navy, but obviously it's communist. They don't have any money, but they wanted to have um, Pepsi Cola in the Soviet <laughs> Union. So they just gave them um, ships. So they were like, do you want some submarines? <laughs> <laughs> they were like, fucking yeah, we do. That's class. Oh, man. Yeah, Right, so, yeah, season finale. So, I think we've talked about what could have been done better. What was done really well was the um, saying goodbye to Wicked and Speed. Um, That whole heartbreak moment, the whole Wanda um, having to tear down this thing she'd built and walk away. Having to walk through all these people that she tormented for maybe months. Maybe, like, yeah, just it was horrible and it was it was heartbreaking to see vision die again in front of her and the fact that he, the only reason he was there was because she used a bit of the infinity stone from inside her to to put him back there like i i think the emotional payoffs of this show were done the best and it's a good thing because sometimes all guns blazing payoffs aren't the payoffs that are worth it like you look at endgame and you look at iron man like and he's going, I am Iron Man and killing himself for everybody and you look at Steve Rogers like risking his life to go back in time and actually, you know, sit, like save the world and that's what superheroes do. And it was more of the emotional payoffs of all of those things that were better than any of the physical stuff, which I think Marvel needs to take note of. It's all well yeah. and good having superheroes trying to kill each other and beat the shit out of each other and put people in jail and argue over political things and all that but at the end of the day the things that are going to make us relate and love things more is the human parts of the stories that they're telling and i think that's what one division has done perfectly especially with a character so messed up that's kind of been shoved to the side because she's just she's had such a bad life especially on camera for the mcu like Yes, she was like almost blown up as a child, but all of the devastating things that have driven her to this, we've seen, and that's just she's never been touched on. Um, and it was really nice to see that. And you've also got to consider the fact that she was close to Stark and she was close to Steve, and now they're gone as well, and they were almost mentors for her. And yeah, I, I loved I loved the payoffs, and I loved that she left the Vision's body there, 
and Hayward tried to make her look like a villain. I think that was a really, really cool um, thing to do where, where he's like, she tried to steal the Vision's body and he made the footage look that way. When and it, it proves that even though you're seeing it on TV, that doesn't necessarily mean that's what's actually happening. There's obviously the art of film you can make. I, you can shoot anything. It's the Hitchcock parable, isn't it? Where it's like, you take a video of a man looking at a woman in a bikini yeah. and he's just standing there with a plain face. You think, oh, he's just looking out. You see a man and you put a, a slight smile on his face in the footage and then cut to the woman in the bikini, he's a pervert. And that's yeah. how it works. And that that's what Marvel have done very well here is that they've used the emotional storytelling. And some of these things didn't even need words. Like, they didn't even... They didn't have to say that these children were effectively just going to not exist anymore. We knew it. And they didn't say it. They didn't say that they were going to die. They didn't say that they that they were going to stay or... We just could tell from the emotion and the cinematography and the acting, which they need to do more because they don't. They've, it seems like Marvel are trying to, like with Endgame, they did it well, but it it still seems like in the films they're going all guns blazing, all guns blazing. That's what gets people in seats. But the stuff that's going to keep people coming back to go in seats is the heartwarming and sometimes soul destroying stuff. But yeah, that's what I really loved yeah. about the finale. I think this show, and particularly the finale in general, did actually do wonders for um, Scarlet Witch. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it it really it brought their character to the forefront because they were a bit more of a side character. Yeah, but I do kind of feel much more now that they're going to be much more of a leading force in um, Phase Four of the MCU, which I'm actually really excited to see. And yeah, I think what they what they've done to the character and what they've done to this character is really nice to see. And I think it was what I what I like to see is what I thought was good was that Wanda didn't just get vision back and didn't just get the family. Wanda got the closure that that she needed to move on. And yeah. I thought that was really good of Marvel to do. That's really like, ha ah, vision's back, everyone's happy and fun. But yeah, no, there was the um, exactly. It's what she needed, and it's what we were working towards. And it would have been too much of a crowd pleaser to have just given her what she wanted. Um, and it just proves that no matter how powerful you are in the MCU, the world can still fuck you over. Which is like it's 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 telling. Like these people are no different from us because they can't stop things from happening as well that they don't want to happen, and that's great. And it was a lesson that obviously that she tries to teach to her kids in the show. But yeah, I think I think overall the show is worth it. There are obviously going to be things that could have been done better. And sadly, we will we're never going to know what that what that could have looked like because it's not going to be there's not going to be a second season. Spoiler alert. Um, I mean, if you've made it this far, you probably can tell there's not going to be a spoiler alert. And um, there's not going to be a there's not going to be a fucking uh, second season as well. So. But Nick, what are your thoughts on what this means for the MCU? What do you think this is going to bring going forward? What What are your um, opinions on what this means for Marvel as a whole? I'm hoping that we're going to get more TV shows like this, more sort of one-shot series that tell stories in a bit of a different way um, that we can already be told. And I hope we get some more interesting characters um, and some more higher concept stuff that... Yeah, but I I 
I think it was overall good. I think it made a lot of mistakes. I think it's possible. I'm hoping it's a format that we're going to see Disney maybe perfect, um, maybe use more with. But yeah, I think it was good. What about you? Um, yeah, I think that what I think this means for the MCU is that we're going to start seeing some characters that have been shoved to the side, bring to the forefront. Because the whole thing that birthed the MCU was taking a character that everyone thought was crap and no one liked and it was going to fail and then made a multi-billion dollar company out of it through one film succeeding. And I really, really liked that. Like, Iron Man wasn't popular. Everyone thought he was a shit character. He was just an alcoholic. And they were like, he's just... He is the Robert Downey Jr. of back in the day. He was the the odd child of the MCU that no one liked and then they brought in an actor that fit that description and it worked really well and now he's a, a beloved hero. I'm hoping that we see, yeah, more side characters. New characters, like Monica Rambo was such a good addition. I know she's been in the MCU before, but as a child and then as a young woman. Um, I'm really hoping that we see more TV shows. We They've hinted at maybe a Young Avengers thing um, coming out, which I hope is true and it would be great to see spider-man leading that with a couple of more young avengers um i am excited for loki uh the first episode of falcon and the wind soldier was good wasn't great it was just good and um, i'm really looking forward to what if i don't know if you've heard about yeah. this yeah yeah no, I'm really oh i'm so excited because it's just it's gonna for anybody who doesn't know what if is a series of comic books that originally came out um in the early 2000s it sparked the Spider-Verse uh, comic books, which had different types of Spider-Man from different universes coming in together to fight a common threat. It's where we got Spider-Gwen, we got Miles coming through from the Unlimited universe. And um, what they're going to do is they're going to take stories from superheroes and mash them together. So one I'm looking forward to is what if Peggy became Captain America and Steve Rogers became the first Iron Man in the, in, during World War II? There's one if, what if the Guardians, um, what if Yondu picked up Black Panther instead of Star-Lord, which I'm really excited for. Um, there, are, like If you go back and read the comics, I'm sure you can find them online for free somewhere. Um, there are loads of good ones, like Spider-Man Noir, I'm, I believe was one of the first what ifs, and that was really cool. That was like, what if Spider-Man was Batman, but in the 1930s, and he was just like a smoking detective and it was just, it was really, really, really good. Um, but yeah, I, I'm looking forward to see what Marvel do, man. I, I mean, they're obviously going to carry on going, and I don't think there's a place that they've thought about stopping yet. But this, this and all things come, come, come to an end, and there's going to be a second generation of Marvel after us. And I'm really excited to see if Phase 4 leads into more bigger phases, or whether... Phase four sees the fade out and fade in of a new group. I'm hoping it does because I want to see Miles. I want to see Miles on screen. I want to see Donald Glover as bloody Prowler because it's been teased in Spider-Man and I need more Childish Gambino in my life because he's already Han Solo. I want him to be a villain. Plus Prowler's fucking sick. Like Prowler's a graffiti artist that went to jail and is a massive thief. Like He's a badass. So I'm... I'm looking forward to it. Um, so what do you think this is going to mean for shows like Loki and Winter Soldier? I think... Oh, I don't think we're going to see a massive 
Scarlet Witch or Wonder or Vision tie into any of those seasons. I think I think Loki is gonna. I'm super excited for Loki. I think it's gonna yeah. be a really fun show. I think it's gonna go more on that Ragnarok kind of thing, very lighthearted. That's what we like. But, but with that classic, like snarky Loki sort of edge to it. Um, yeah. I think Falcon and Winter Soldier is going to be like Captain America Winter Soldier and First Avenger and Civil War. Mm. I think it's going to be like classic Marvel. You want to see people with metal robot arms and detachable. I just think it's very wings. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. It could have been a season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, yeah. yeah I, I, I'm going to be honest, from the first episode of that show, I'm not very happy with it. I really like the ending of the first episode a lot because of what it means. Uh, I'm not going to spoil that because by the time this episode airs, it'll probably the show will still be airing, so I don't want to spoil anything for people who haven't seen it or are waiting for the whole thing. Um, but at the moment, it's really let me down after the quirkiness and uniqueness of One Division. This is just mm-hmm. yeah, like like you said, stuff we've seen before. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm. I'm looking forward for, um, obviously, we know that Baron Zemo's coming back for this uh, show, and I really want to see that. But I'm more excited to see how Owen Wilson does in Loki, because why did they I cast Owen Wilson? And I, I can't wait to see why they cast him, because how does he fit into the MCU? Why isn't it Martin Freeman? And, <laughs> like, how many times does he say, wow, because it's what we need to wow. know. Have you seen oh, someone did an impression on Instagram of um, Owen Wilson being cast as um, oh, getting cast as Stephen Hawking in The Theory of Everything. It was like, this is my impression. And he just put a straw in his mouth and went, wow, in a robot voice. And I was like, oh, my God. oh man. But this, right, the thing I like about this Loki universe is it looks like it's, it looks like the Haywood scenes of WandaVision. From what we can yes. see, it's a guy in a suit in an office building. But what we do know is, this office building might not be on Earth. But it's like a other dimension, isn't it? That's they, what they, that's they what they say. they've said. It's basically a different dimension, um, but we don't know to what extent and why. There's a theory that it's about um, the the overseers of the Marvel universe that I keep forgetting the name of. Mm. The ones that Stanley was a cameo in. Um, which I really hope it is because that would be really cool. The thing they're called, what are they called? The Overseers of the Marvel Universe. Um, Marvel Overseers. Eternals. Eternal. No, no, that's that's the really shit uh, Ewan Rahan TV show that got oh. cancelled. Uh, the Watchers is all they're called. <laughs> that was easy. The Watchers. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I really want to see Marvel go into some darker stuff. Um, I don't want, I don't mean like Winter Soldier dark. I mean like dark, um, bit like some of the Batman TV show dark. Like fucking like, maybe we could find characters that could do that because at the moment Marvel is a very happy thing still, and they've tried to throw some dark things in, but it still feels a bit lighthearted by the end of it. Um, I think Marvel needs to do some things that leave us with a sour taste. Um, yeah. And I, I, it's not a bad thing. It's a good thing that they've that they've gone this long and they're doing really well because obviously they are the Marvel. But they need to sometimes give us things that upset us. Like Endgame is the only 
and Infinity War are the only films where by the end of it, you're like, oh no, oh fuck, but they they could do that with smaller titles and like even Spider-Man, it was still, even though it was like, Peter Parker is Spider-Man and I'm Jonah Jameson John Jameson and I'm back. And I was like, okay, yeah, but the fact that it's J. Jonah Jameson screaming that just makes it funny. And the fact that Spider-Man's eyes go really wide and he goes like that when he gets found out. It, yeah. it made it very lighthearted. But I, I am so excited to see what Wanda does for the next Doctor Strange film and for the next Spider-Man film because yeah. she's got to tie in to Spider-Man. She has to. But yeah. What are we doing next, Ryan? What are we doing next? So next, doing next? next episode, it's going to get a little bit... Uh, it's going to get... What's the name of the director? <laughs> I'm a film student. What's his name? <laughs> I was a Christopher Nolan. We're getting a bit Nolan-y. It's going to be a little bit like Inception. Um, (laughs) Not in the same way that uh, Doctor Strange ripped it off, but um, it's basically going to be our favorite three podcasts. So um, I know what I'm talking about already. Uh, Nick's got one more that he's thinking of. Um, All I can say is one of mine is extremely colloquial. (laughs) One of mine is very, very, very Northern. Um, so if you're from America, you probably might not like that one, but I've got an American one in there too. Um, yeah, so I know what I'm talking about. Do you know? Do you know what your third one is, Nick? I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to go go through a few things and Ooh. finalize it. But yeah, I'm gonna do. Right. So thank you guys for listening to three of our favorite things. I've been Ryan Underwood, your host, and my co-host Nick Scott, looking very colorful. <laughs> he's got bite in his lip on the get right so yeah we're gonna come back next week with some of our favorite podcasts we hope you enjoyed the podcast and you can find us on spotify instagram twitter and um maybe facebook in the streets, uh, in the streets of liverpool and manchester um and we're gonna be back talking about all sorts of random shit i am at punks underscore a underscore myth on most social media you can follow my band character of development underscore uk on instagram and we've got a spotify link in my description and the band description and this podcast will be on wherever we put it because we haven't made accounts for this yet so that will be put in the outro and the intro of this episode so Make sure to follow us. Nick, have you got anything you want to promote? Um, I would like to promote the message of peace, love, and understanding. Peace and love. Yeah. Yeah, a bit like Ringo Starr. Um, just before we go, uh, on the message of peace and love, um, have you seen the video of Ringo Starr shouting at a camera saying how he doesn't want to accept fan mail anymore? No. <laughs> This is, is going to be brought up in the next podcast, by the way, because of a podcast that we're talking about. Um, there's a video of Ringo Starr going, no more fan mail. And he's like half naked with loads of rings. I'm going, no more fan mail. No more. From December 13th, I will be accepting no more fan mail. Peace and love. And he's just screaming at the camera, shouting about no more fan mail. It's like a 10 minute long video. He says about four words. It's it's class. It's the classic eighty-year-old man using a phone. So yeah, enjoy, guys. We hope you we'll, we hope you enjoyed. And uh, yeah, we'll see you next week. Yeah, uh, make sure to week. go back through our back catalogue of about four other episodes and listen to them in a bit. Mm-hmm.
Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Three of Our Favourite Things podcast. We hope you enjoyed it and make sure you follow us on your podcast apps to listen to more episodes. You can follow us at 3favepod on Insta, that's with the number three, and on Twitter. And you can find me on both at punks underscore a underscore myth on both and Nick at Nick underscore Scott's 56 on Twitter. Please share our podcast and make sure to tune in next time and we'll see you guys soon. Thank you.